Welcome to Behave, the behavioral science podcast where we discuss, explore, and aim to showcase the practical benefits of layering behavioral insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth. Hosted by Pedro Martins, a director at Total Media, the behavioral planning agency. Remember to rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts and for any questions, feedback, or requests for future topics, please email us at podcast at behave.co.uk. For more information on anything discussed in the episode and useful downloads, please visit behave.co.uk forward slash podcast. Welcome to Behave, the podcast that aims to showcase practical business benefits through the application of behavioral science to your marketing. Now, many of you are very familiar with the work of Peter Field and Lesbinette, who are rightly known as godfathers of marketing effectiveness. Now, working with the IPA, or the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising, which is the professional body that supports the UK advertising industry, and they set the protocols for the UK industry's best practice standards and publish groundbreaking thought leadership to provide the advertising and marketing industry with resources and tools to realise the potential of truly accountable and effective marketing. And central to Peter and Les's research is the distinction between brand building and activation effects that marketing produces. Brand building is long-term and drives brand growth, activation effects short-term and generate sales spikes, but with no long-term growth necessarily. Brands need to engage in marketing activities that drive both effects, but there is a balance to be struck. Through their work, they've come up with a sort of 60-40 rule, although it varies from sector to sector. This is the balance of brand building and activation activities. The data shows is most effective. Brand building is what leads to very large business effects and the mechanism is related to emotional priming, i.e. building up the emotional connection with your audience. In fact, research suggests that emotional campaigns are far more effective at driving long-term business effects, such as profits. And over a three-year period, 43% of brands employing emotional campaigns report very large business effects versus just 23% employing rational or combined approach. Based on this research, Unruly has created a product suite focusing on harnessing the power of emotion with their video campaigns. And they wanted to conduct their own research to understand the power of emotion, but more specifically, focusing on the peak end rule, which was coined by Nobel Prize winning behavioural psychologist Daniel Kahneman. The theory behind the peak end rule is that we judge experiences, whether they are positive or negative, based on how we felt at the peak and at the end, instead of judging the experience as a whole. By working with Richard Shotton and facial coding company Effectiva, Unruly were able to see whether this rule holds true for video advertising by tracking emotional response and recall. So I'm pleased to say that today I'm joined by Alex, who's Senior Insights and Solutions Manager at Unruly, and Graham, who's Global Managing Director at Effectiva. So good morning, Alex and Graham. How are you both today? Morning. Yeah, can't complain. Not too bad. Thank you. Morning. And yeah, likewise, uh, very well. Thank you. So, Alex, um, for our listeners, could you just outline your role, but also uh, what Unruly do? Yeah, sure thing. So, um, Unruly are probably best described as video ad specialists. Um, Essentially, what we do is we help brands to get their video ads seen by consumers across a number of different screens, be that a connected television or a desktop or laptop or a mobile phone. So, um, best way to think about it is if you're browsing the internet and you see a video ad, that could well be an ad that's been bought and sold using unruly technology. But aside from just the, you know, the 
video marketplace aspect, Unruly also is very invested in research. So we have our own um, unique emotional data solution called Unruly EQ, which is used to amplify all of the video distribution that we do. And um, EQ is the team that I'm in. It's the in-house research team. And we've basically spent the last decade, more than a decade even, running content tests on video advertising and using that data to build out custom audience segments and content optimization tools, all of which are designed to make our distribution just even more effective. And my role within the EQ team is in the insights team. And um, yeah, that's running bespoke research like the stuff we're about to talk to today, but also running uh, research on specific brand video advertising. Alex, fantastic. Thank you. And uh, Graham, can you outline your role and what your company yeah, does? Sure, can do. So uh, I'm the uh, MD of the Media Analytics Division of Affectiva, as you said. Um, and uh, that's a division that focuses on applying the Affectiva technology to uh, marketing, uh, the marketing and insights industry. So Affectiva is an emotion AI business. Uh, that means we're a technology company that offers uh, means for businesses to understand the emotional response of people at scale. Um, and the main means by which we do that is that we, we offer a technology that allows us to measure emotional response from people's facial expressions. Uh, so in the context, for instance, of the work that we do with Unruly, uh, as part of the uh, consumer research that, that Unruly do, uh, when video ads are shown to people, um, with their permission, uh, they're recorded, uh, they're, they're, their facial expressions are recorded, sent to our, uh, our service for processing, and we then apply um, uh, machine learning and deep learning algorithms to that video to code for whether the person is smiling or frowning or looking surprised or angry or sad uh, and so on. So from that, um, we can then uh, you know, aggregate data together and arrive at a view of whether, you know, what was the emotional journey that people took as they observed uh, and viewed a piece of content. Um, uh, so, that, and then from that, obviously understand, you know, was that the emotional journey that perhaps was intended in the, uh, you know, when, when the, the content was created and certainly give a sense of the, the emotional engagement that people have with that content. So that's, uh, that's what we do. Fantastic. And in terms of the panel size, is that, um, what sort of what sort of sizes are we talking about in terms of testing creative and taking that data? So on every video test that we do for a client, um, we'll have a panel size of between 400 to 500 people, depending on the particular tool that we'll use to analyze their video. So if a client books an EQ Max for us, which is our most robust piece of uh, content testing, that'll be a 500 person nat rep sample. Um, of which at least 100 will be the client's target audience based on a natural fallout. And then we'll get a, um, a segment of that 500 uh, sample size will also be eligible for the facial coding aspect too. Brilliant. Fantastic. So Alex, just on, on the point of the research that you've conducted, could you um, give me a bit more detail in terms of um, why you conducted or what you were planning to, to try and find out and the methodology behind it? Yeah, of course. Um, I was, I was just thinking about this question the other day when why we started this research and I realized we actually first started talking about this research back in January 2018, which feels like more than several lifetimes ago now. Um, so we had just finished a piece of research with Peter Field and the IPA when we reached out to Richard Shotton um, to see if there were any topics where we could potentially collaborate because one of the things that we tried to do at Unruly is um, <clears throat> work with as many 
you know, third party academics and, uh, you know, industry bodies as possible to help, you know, just to help um, establish ourselves as thought leaders in the emotional space. And um, when we met Richard, he described the PKN rule, as you said, as this psychological phenomenon, you know, whereby our memories are dependent on two things, what we're feeling at a peak point and how the experience ended. And considering our background in emotion theory and research, um, as soon as as soon as Richard mentioned this, we knew that it was something that we absolutely had to just investigate further to see if there were any implications for advertisers. Because um, when Richard described it to us originally, he told us about the original Kahneman experiments, which are very far from advertising and marketing. But um, as we know with behavioral um, behavioral economics and behavioral science, it's uh, usually things that you can apply to um, advertising and marketing with the right experimentation. So, for instance, we thought you know if if we could find out, like, if if someone's ad is more likely to be remembered based on its ability to, you know, generate a single intense emotional response, that kind of learning could have a huge impact uh, at every stage of the campaign lifecycle from writing the ads to planning it and buying the media. Um, so with Richard and Graham's help, we uh, designed an experiment which involved testing a series of ads using Affectiva's facial coding technology, which Graham mentioned earlier, which allowed us to track the emotions felt by viewers based on changes to their facial expressions in real time. So if you imagine um, as people are watching the video, as if they're smiling, we can see on an Affectiva's dashboard through the smile trace, whether or not there's any peaks in that trace or any dips, which uh, indicates whether or not people are smiling or not smiling or frowning or not frowning, as, as Graham mentioned. So we did that test to uh, nine different videos, and um, the videos were categorized according to three specific groups, which were based on the idea of the peak end rule. So the first group, which uh, is probably best best known as the control group, were ads where there was uh, a fairly even emotional score with no peaks, either in the end or throughout. It was just a very steady emotional score. The second category was videos which have multiple peaks throughout, but no peak at the end. And then the final category of videos was where the highest peak in emotion occurs at the end. So after we categorized, tested and categorized the videos, we created three cells of respondents and showed them uh, each cell video from each category. So cell one saw um, a video which had a very even score, uh, uh, peaks at the end, and then peaks, uh, peaks throughout. So we replicated that three times across three cells. And then a week later, we, we recontacted the respondents and sent them a recognition and recall survey. Um, and based on our peak and rule hypotheses, we were hoping that recall would be highest when the peak and emotion came at the end and lowest when there was no peak at all. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially the research setup. And um, worth noting that even when there was no emotional score, uh, an even emotional score on one of the set of ads, they weren't. None of the ads should be considered bad ads. They're incredibly well made. They feature great soundtracks. They're all really visually interesting. <laughs> but they just didn't move the dial emotionally for our viewers, which was the key differentiator for this test. And how did you decide on which brands to use? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in our testing, we also asked uh, in the initial questions, in the initial survey before we actually asked the um before we showed the respondents the videos, we asked unaided awareness questions for uh, based on the category. So we chose the videos based on uh, a 
perceived level of um, awareness. So every single brand included in the test was a brand which a NatRep uh, UK response should be aware of to some degree. And then we tested that in the first survey with the unaided brand awareness questions. And we, yeah, we saw um, based on the unaided brand awareness, the, the how popular each of the brands were. And um, if there were any that fell below a certain threshold, we would have discounted them. But thankfully, none of them, none of them did. Uh, brilliant. So you sort of factored in the relevance or the relevant brand equity they all had. So it was a sort of fair and even so, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely, and that's something right. that um, that did, even though as much as we tried to control for the um, potential, like, you know, the bias occurring from brand awareness, that is still something that did have a slight impact on the results. But um, we also included additional questions in the second survey to uh, to understand that and balance that out further. Fantastic. I mean, I think uh, you saw where I was going with that. It's just to make sure that. Because we all know that there's a lot of research that actually can be quite biased out there. And I know but all, all of us here always emphasise and make sure that everything we do is fair and the results are a fair representation of what's happening in market. So it's always good to hear. Which takes me neatly and nicely onto what were the results? I mean, what, what, what was the outcome? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, the results followed the peak and rule hypotheses almost exactly. Um, <coughs> hence... Hence, hence the call right now. Um, we <laughs> found that the um, the memory of each viewing experience was significantly correlated with the level of emotional response recorded. So when we recontacted the respondents, um, one of the first things we did was a recognition question where we showed them a series of frames from each advert, and um, also from frames uh, from adverts that weren't weren't they weren't exposed to some some so some red herring uh, red herring answers as well. And um, we found that recognition was highest for ads where the peak occurred at the end and lowest when the ad did not feature a peak at all. And um, the difference between the difference in recognition between the two peak categories compared to the control was significant to a 99% confidence level as well. So that was incredibly, incredibly comforting. Um, as I said, we also found some really interesting data in regards to the balance between branding and emotional response. So alongside the creative recognition question, we also included questions on on brand recall um, in the recontext in the recontext study, and we did see significant differences between the categories again. So the videos where there was an even emotional score were, you know, the brand recall was significantly lower than the videos which had peaks at the end or in the middle. But when we dug a bit deeper into the data, we did realize that there was some bias, which was uh, some brand recall bias, which was based on um, existing levels of brand recall, as we just discussed. So although all the ads tested were for well-known brands in the UK, there were some differences in brand awareness um, at a category level, which were reflected in the brand recall response. So simply put, um, if a brand was more well-known, people were more likely to recall that brand. Um, but there was a question of whether or not people were just defaulting to that brand when asked brand recall or whether or not they were actually truly remembering seeing an ad for that particular brand. Um, so to offset this bias, we also included a creative recall question where at the end of the survey, we told the respondents the name of the brand um, for the video that they saw the last week. last week. And we just said to them, tell us everything you can remember about the ad um, and here we didn't see any correlation between brand awareness and recall. Instead, creative recall was actually 
hype. Again, Creative Recall was significantly higher for the videos which featured an emotional peak, regardless of existing levels of awareness. So just give you guys like a a quick example. So we one of the brands tested was a very well-known headphones brand. Um, it performed very well for unaided awareness. And um, that was actually included in the control, even, even emotion category. And it performed very well for brand recall, which when we looked at it further, we were, we suspected that maybe this performed so well at brand recall just because of the existing levels of awareness. So when we looked at the um, creative recall scores, we saw they actually performed the worst across all nine videos, um, which was particularly satisfying, I guess, because it just goes to show that, you know, brand awareness in general is obviously incredibly powerful because if people see an ad for your brand and they're thinking of your category, you know, there's, you have the best chance of people, I guess, defaulting to your brand when they think about you. But um, it's also great to see that it's, you know, how brands can leverage the emotional response is key to building those memory structures in the first place. So it's great. Sorry, it's gone. No, I was just going to say it's, it's just, you know, it's great if people are more likely to think of your brand, but you know, it's even better if they associate your brand with a positive experience. And on that note, in terms of um, emotion, what what sort of emotions are we talking about? Is humour the main one, or? Yeah, that's that's another great question. So in the affective uh, um, facial coding traces, we could see everything broken out by um, positive uh, responses such as smile and surprise, and uh, they also um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Graham, but they're also um, aggregated into. Uh, facial coding traces like expressiveness so just the amount of shit like express uh, positive expression that are positive expression that is being displayed as people watch the video so we could um we identified the peaks using a mixture of those positive um positive facial coding traces surprise smile and um expressiveness but what we what we also were able to do is because we had tested these videos using our EQ content testing um methodology in that methodology we also ask a we ask using um you know a, a system two approach in a survey how pe- what what emotions people felt as they were watching those videos um and we include the full spectrum of emotional response so that can be <clears throat> that can be happiness um surprise uh it could be also be fear it could be hilarity it could be ha- um it could be pride um as you said and um what we've done is over the last few years is because we have been running these content tests with affectivus facial coding um, technology enabled, we've started to build up correlations between our own emotional responses through the survey data and the facial coding traces that um, affectiva can also supply to us. So we saw that in the instances where the peak occurred at the end, when we went through the um, our facial coding database, we saw that in the past, when we've tested videos which have a peak at the end, those videos are more likely to over-index for feelings of hilarity. So, yeah, as you said, um, hilarity is a good way to deliver a, a video ad which um, features a peak in emotion at the end. And it, when you say it like that, it's not too surprising because if you consider any good joke, the, the punchline should usually come at the end. And that's something that we see reflected in uh, video advertisements as well. If I can just um, build on that uh, as well, Alex. So uh, as Alex said, the the measure that was used to to determine kind of emotional engagement was that that overall expressiveness um, to some extent. And the you know that that can be made up of of lots of things. Now, it's certainly true that the the most common um, 
emotion that we tend to see in response to advertising is uh, is smile, um, because again, lots of advertising wants to be uh, humorous or, or wants to leave people feeling positive. But the measure itself reflects all sorts of different emotional dimensions. So it can there can be some negatives in there, but there can also be you know kind of uh, uh, measures of kind of sadness and sentimentality and surprise. So um, the measure is essentially neutral to the the type of emotion, but we definitely do tend to see more. Uh, more positive emotions um, uh, in in response to advertising, um, and it's interesting actually that um, we've seen in some of the work that we've done in with um, uh, uh, other partners and uh, as well as with Unruly that there are some really interesting relationships between that overall measure of expressiveness and some some behavioural outcomes. So, so for instance, we've seen in some of the work we've done with uh, with Cantar that the there's a clear sales relationship between ads that generate a lot of expressions and then the subsequent sales effectiveness of uh, 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 of those ads. Um, and equally, in some work we've done with Mars in the past, we've seen, um, again, relationships between the amount of positive expressions generated by ads and the sales effectiveness uh, of, of that copy. So there's, I think, some really some really good synergies here between what, what Alex has observed in, in the Unruly project and also some additional um, data points that we've got from, from wider relationships. So, um, yeah, the, it, it's certainly true that um, positive emotions seem to be the best thing to have, but in the context of the peak end rule, then, you know, uh, a strong emotional response of, of any description will, will probably generate the effect. Thanks, Graham. And... Um... In your in your experience, is there um, is there a, a brand that's kind of sort of best in class that's done this well, or campaign that's done this really well? And you think actually they're a good example of how this should be done? Um, I mean, it's perhaps not too unsurprising, but John Lewis have got this down to a T. I would say um, every single year they uh, you know they release an ad that kind of pulls on the heartstrings. And, um, you know, when I think back to, I think it's, for me, it's the first John Lewis Christmas ad, but it's the one where the boy can't wait to give his parents the present at the end of the, at the end of the video. Um, for me, that's, it's almost like the perfect example of, um, the, the peak end rule in action, uh, because it just, the ad, it just builds and builds to, to that emotional payoff where the kid, um, hands his, hands his parents the present that he, has been waiting all of December to give them. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a lovely, lovely, lovely ad. Um, and as well, I think another, another, um, brand that's been doing this quite well recently is Cadbury's. Obviously incredibly well known for their great video advertising, but there's their series of ads, um, about there being small acts of kindness. Um, again, really, really do play on the, um, really do seem to use the peak end rule, um, incredibly well. I don't know if you've seen the, the ad where the little girl goes into the shop and, um, pays for a Cadbury's bar with like buttons and toys. And then at the end, she oh, gives that's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Ad. It's just a, an amazing ad where again, not much really happens throughout the first 25 seconds, but at the end, it really has that emotional payoff. Um, and again, they've got another, a very similar ad. Um, it's called Fence. It's about, it's about an older guy who's living on his own while he's gardening. People keep the kids next door keep losing balls over his fence, and he always keeps kicking the balls back and stuff. Honestly, like my heart feels warm just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the ad, you know, after he's been kicking the balls back to them, they throw over a dairy milk bar and say, "This you don't need to return this." And it's it's just like a an incredibly um, heartlifting way to end the ads. And importantly, 
in those Cadbury's examples, Cad- the Cadbury bar itself is is key to that emotional, that peak and emotional response. The ad works so the ad works so well, and it's so easy to remember that it's a Cadbury ad because the Cadbury packaging is so clearly aligned with that peak and emotional response. One of the questions I, I wanted to ask is: so this peak end rule, I mean, we're, we're all very familiar, and, I, and it's fantastic that it's it's proved not just in theory but in concept and actual reality. Uh, is there um, a timeline? So I mean, because we all know that advertising can vary in time length. Does it matter whether the ad is ten seconds long or whether it's two minutes long, or is there is there a sweet spot? Um, yeah, that's that's a great question again. Um, so. If we think back to that um, fences advert I just mentioned with the the Cadbury ad, where the the, the older gentleman is returning the footballs, and um, that ad exists in two different forms. There's a 60 second version and there's a 30 second version, and both of them work exceptionally well. Um, obviously, uh, you know it's, you spend a bit more time with the older man at the start of the video, so you can maybe um, start to build a bit more of a, a bit more of an you know emotional attachment to him, but. Even in the 30 second one, you do still get really lovely peak in emotional response at the end. So what we found when we, um, in our experiment is that the ads which featured a peak at the end were actually, um, by chance, not by design, they were all 30 seconds long. Whilst the videos which had peaks in the middle, they were between one to two minutes long. Um, both of them significantly outperformed the control group where there wasn't even emotional response, regardless of the video length. Um, so that just goes to show that, you know, if, if you're, if you're, you know, if the question is between a longer video with no emotion, like a very even emotional response or a short video with at least one emotional response at the end, you're better off going with a short video with at least one emotional response at the end. And when we looked at the, you know, the difference between the longer ads and the shorter ads, the the longer ads were the reason they were able to generate so many peaks and dips throughout is because is basically because of the length they just had more time to um to build up those emotional payoffs and then drop them down and then ultimately build them back up again because of the duration whereas the 30 second and um shorter ads it probably makes sense in a shorter period of time to focus efforts more on creating one easy to understand emotional peak, I would say. Yeah, I don't know if Graham has anything to anything. Yeah, to I was just going to say, I think that's very consistent with, with what we've tended to see uh, over the years of, uh, of researching the ads that we, we have. Um, I, I think one of the key drivers of, of emotional responses, as Alex has said, is, is powerful narrative. So obviously, the longer you, you have, the, you know, the, the longer you have to begin to kind of build that narrative and, and, and take people on a kind of a journey that has both highs and and lows um so yeah longer ads can tend to um to generate uh stronger expressions if they have a clear narrative uh, you know a, a long ad that's just a single product demo unless that product demo is very compelling may may not generate a lot of emotion but if you're telling a narrative the more time you have to tell it the, the in in general you'll tend to see more engagement um but that said we have definitely seen cases where really short ads can generate um emotional responses uh, you know even back in the day when vine was around you know we, we've seen work on vine ads where again you can create quite a, a clear emotional response with a very singular piece of of creative but in general it's certainly true that, that slightly longer ads have have more time to develop their story um the one watch out i would say is you know longer ads can also tend to have more time to lose people along the way so it is interesting that it isn't always the case that a three-minute version of the film will be the best version 
um, you know, because sometimes you tend to put material in there that, that perhaps isn't quite contributing to the story as well as, uh, as, it, as it should do. So we've certainly see, also seen cases where the 30-second version actually works better because it's just snappier and gets to the point. But nonetheless, the general general rule is is a little bit longer uh, time to develop the narrative will tend to generate more expressions. Lovely, thank you. We, we we're coming up on time. In fact, we're over the time. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to ask um, Alex, could you give us some takeaways from the research, just as sort of summing up? Yeah, of course. So um, based on you know based on the research, we clearly saw that video ads that were able to generate at least one moment of intense emotional response are significantly more likely to be remembered. Advertisers can maximize the chance of their ads being remembered if their brand assets are present during that moment of emotional response or even better, responsible for the emotional moment in general. Uh, advertising itself, it, you know, as, as, as Graham touched on there, it does need to engage viewers, but in the same way that you don't want to lose them, it needs to tie back to the brand in a way that doesn't feel arbitrary and um, to maximize that effectiveness as we discussed earlier if your brand has high levels of brand awareness um, then you do have an automatic advantage uh, when it comes to brand recall but creative recall is dependent on the emotional response as well so it's important to not only have those existing mental structures but also to add to them through um, emotional associations a 30-second ad with a peak emotional moment at the end can be just as memorable as a two-minute ad that takes the viewers on an emotional roller coaster. And it is possible to determine how memorable your ad will be um, through the use of content testing that uses both the System 1 and System 2 uh, measures into account. So using surveys with facial coding, for instance, are a really good way to um, judge the potential effectiveness and memorability of your video advertising. And Graham, is there anything else you want to add? To that? Uh, yeah, firstly, I, I agree with everything that Alex has just said. I thought that was a great summary of uh, of what this means and some of the implications for marketers. Um, the, the only thing I'd add is that I think what what this study does is 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 build really nicely on some of the um, evidence that that is out there around the power of emotion in advertising. I mean, it, and it does that I think by by providing a, a mechanism for that effect. So there's a lot of evidence, and, and the Benayan field uh, paper is an obvious example. There's a lot of evidence that um, you know, emotional campaigns are more powerful and sales effective. You know, this gives a, an insight into one of the mechanisms for that. You know, there, whereby you know, emotional ads you know will will generate benefits from the peak end rule. The key elements will be more memorable. And if, as, as Alex said, if that's if those are key moments for where your brand is the payoff, then you know, that will associate positive emotions with your brand and, and will certainly boost brand saliency as well. So, you know, it's really nice to see a mechanism for that emotional effect um, highlighted in this work. Fantastic. Alex from Unruly and Graham from Affectiva, thank you very much for this. It's been really useful and interesting. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have got a lot of value in the last 30 minutes. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. Pedro. This podcast is brought to you by Total Media, the behavioral planning agency, an innovative approach to behavioral insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth.